Welcome to this uh, second podcast. Today's topic is space exploration. My name is Björn Otter Elset. I'm the lead for space transportation at the Norwegian Space Agency and the group leader for space in this uh, network called the Mod- Modern India. Today I have the pleasure to be with uh, Marianne Vigne Tantillo. She's head of ESA Affairs and International Relations in the Space Agency and also chairing a very interesting committee in the European Space Agency called the Human Exploration Committee in ESA. So we jump right into it, uh, Marianne. Welcome, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you. So what's happening these days, Marianne? Uh, there's, uh, there seems to be uh, many countries involved and Elon Musk is there. So ca- can you give us uh, the broad picture? <laughs> yes, well, there's a lot uh, going on uh, towards uh, in, in the field of exploration these days. Um, uh, I, I would say so many countries around the world are, have activities that aim towards going to, as a first step, Moon and as a next step, uh, Mars and and. Uh, we're talking about human exploration here, so robotic missions as precursors to sending humans at the late point are a focus. And um, you mentioned Elon Musk. Uh, what just happened is that he is uh, he just tested his big, big rocket. It's called uh, Starship. It's a, it's a huge uh, spaceship that is going to travel to Mars um, within not so long, maybe even within 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will carry up to 100 people. It is 12 stories high. Uh, nine meters across, and he just tested it in in the U.S. and and saw that he could actually fly it. It could fly up into the air, twelve kilometers mm. up. It was flipped over on its side, which is actually not something we do with rockets. Mm. And then it landed again. And unfortunately, it came in a bit fast, so it it burned up. Um, but it wasn't a failure. It wasn't a failure. He he wanted <laughs> actually to test the belly flop or the 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 tipping of the spacecraft on the top. Mm. So the the goal of Elon Musk is to make this spacecraft. Then he will make a huge rocket. It's actually called a big rocket, <laughs> more or less. And then take this whole 120-meter-tall uh, um, contraption, send it into space, and then send his starship to Mars. Wow. Um, this is, you know, in the long run. Is he actually going to the moon first, or uh, is he doesn't care about the moon? Uh, he cares about the moon, too. It's, it's more of a parallel thing. He will. Uh, his aim is also to send his starship to the moon and to do exploration activities there as well, either in collaboration with maybe NASA or yeah. by itself, maybe to test technology or even to, um, yeah, to test technology or do um, other type of experiments on the moon. But, but his end goal is definitely yeah, Mars. Because... The last five years, you heard a lot about uh, the moon. Uh, Trump is going to the moon, and uh, probably the next president also will, will continue that. Uh, we, we will not uh, dwell on that today. But um, moon is kind of a just a stop, and then we're going to Mars. Or is, is moon like uh, the end goal? Is that what we will see the next ten years? Or do you think actually there will be more Mars focus again? Well, the the big driver in this these days is mm. uh, NASA or the U.S. Mm. And, and the end goal for U.S. is definitely Mars. They've been to the moon before. This mm. is something they've done. They did. They were the first there. They did it in 67. So the reason to go to the moon this time uh, is in order to learn more. Um, and this is because, of course, the moon is so close to Earth. It's only a two-day travel to go there mm. and two days to go back. So when you bring technology, when you want to test something, when you bring humans, you want to bring them somewhere you have a bit of control, right? So it's close. Mm. Um, and you want to make sure you do your technology testing somewhere where you can bring spare parts mm. uh, quickly or you can travel away, go home if something goes wrong really quickly. Uh, and it's it's fairly easy to, to uh, 
do things repetitively on the moon because it's so close. It's very close by. Yeah. Close by. Mm-hmm. And of course, much, much cheaper to go there than to go mm-hmm. to Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially on human missions. So that's that's one part of it. Uh, and the other part of it is also, of course, that there's a, a lot of um, research still to be done on the moon. Um, there was some done of co- in 67. There's been done some done by orbiters and landers. But sending do- humans there uh, allows us to do... Um, much more research with hands-on research by mm. by astronauts and, and also newer instruments uh, are going to be sent there. Um, and as you go there, as you learn more, as maybe you learn how to enrich or, or use the soil which is there, the moon dust, mm. and make it into oxygen or water or maybe even use it to build, you can have a research station on the moon. Um, you can use the oxygen and water to actually build, make... Um, satellite fuel uh, and refuel your spaceship on the moon in order to go forward to Mars. And this is Elon Musk again, could do that mm, with okay. his starship. He could travel to the moon, stop there, retank it there, mm. and then send it to Mars. And the reason for doing this is because um, when you go out of the gravity of Earth, it takes a lot of force to bring a big load out of the gravity of Earth. But when you leave from the moon, because there's much less gravity, there's only one-sixth of the gravity on Earth, because there's only one-sixth of the gravity, it takes one-sixth of the force. Mm. So if you bring your spacecraft as light as possible to the moon, reload it there, and then send it on to Mars, then you have a a much cheaper, assuming the system is there, it's much cheaper to do it that way. Yeah, interesting. So this is this is one goal of going to moon for for Musk. But I would say uh, with NASA in the driver's seat, the the goal itself is to go to Mars and beyond. Mm. It is stated clearly in the goals of NASA that is uh, moon, Mars, and beyond. I see. In, in the sixties, it was basically the U.S. competing with the then Soviet Union. Mm. Now we have more countries. Dwell a little bit. Who is now actually active here? Europe is active somehow. India, China, of mm. course, even. United Emirates and countries like that. Give, give us a picture. What's what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, well, as I said, I would say NASA is in the driver's seat uh, mm-hmm. with uh, their big Artemis um, uh, project, where the goal is to go in orbit around the moon mm-hmm. with a big space station called Gateway to land on the moon. Originally, by 2024, we will see how that uh, ends and to do activities on the moon, and then to go onwards with people, uh, with humans, sorry, on, on the Mars surface in the 2030s sometime. Then you have the European Space Agency. We cooperate with NASA in going to the moon, traveling there, as we have technology on the Orion capsule, uh, which is a, which is a manned space capsule going to the moon. Uh, we have technology that will go on this gateway lunar space station, um, and Europe also has um, development of a space uh, with lunar lander and technology for uh, experiments and technology demonstrations on the lunar surface. Not yet in cooperation with NASA, but that will come. That's that's in, in the long long plan. And then other countries, China, have their own um, their own programs, and they recently um, had a, an astronaut call where they accepted eighteen new astronauts into their core. Uh, they will be manning the Chinese space station that the China is now building, and there um, they will also later go with human uh, flights to the moon. Um, but just a few weeks ago, first of December, they landed Chang'e five on the surface of the moon, and this is going to bring back samples from the moon um, within a few days, actually, of now. And, and today is the eleventh of December, so before Christmas, the Chang'e five will come back to Earth with, with samples from the moon. 
Um, but the Chi uh, Chinese are kind of doing, uh, China is kind of doing things in its own tempo. They're going, doing things stepwise, doing the sample return from the moon while at the same time uh, improving their, their um, uh, human space flights uh, programs. And, and China is doing really well, I think, in, in also accessing the moon. Um, United Arabs, India, other countries uh, like those. I mean, only last year, United Arabs, uh, Arab Emirates had a, a lander that landed, crash landed, unfortunately, on the moon. In India last year, which Chandrayaan 2 launched in July, um, put an orbiter uh, in orbit around the moon, still there, doing samples of the surface and, and observing what happens on the surface of the moon. And also the Vikram lander, which uh, unfortunately cra crash landed. Um, but these things happen. It's, it is hard to, to land on foreign surfaces. So even if both your, um, United Arab Emirates and India crash landed on the surface of the moon last year, they will be trying again. Yeah. And India will... This is just a first failure. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's absolutely normal. Um, mm. When you go to Mars, for example, it's about, uh, I think it's about 60% of all landing attempts have failed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Chandran 3 is already planned in 2021 in order to put a rover on the surface of the moon and, yeah. and do some of the experiments that couldn't be performed last time. Interesting. So, so I think we talked a little bit already about uh, Europe then and the moon, but uh, let's go into the, the big picture now, what's actually happening. Uh, we, if you have uh, three pillars of exploration, you have the human presence, you have the search for life, this follow the water uh, philosophy, and also the space economy. I don't think we have too much time to talk about the space economy, but all these three things are happening. They are, they, they are, they are <coughs> kind of interlinked, but can you give us some flavor about at least the two first two topics today, the human presence and the search for life? Mm. Um, I would say that human exploration activities consists of two things. There's robotic um, mm. exploration and there's human exploration. Mm. And and what's happening on Mars today, for example, with rovers from the US, that's that's called more robotic exploration. So it does surveys, scientific experiments, and prepares for human exploration by both mapping the surface and by testing technology. Like, for example, Perseverance, which is an uh, American uh, rover, which is on the way to Mars now. It will land in February, and one of the instruments will be actually testing if they can take CO2 from the atmosphere and make that into oxygen. Mm -hmm. And this is a precursor to, to humans going there, because if you can make oxygen from CO2 in the atmosphere, the astronauts have something to breathe. You don't have to bring it. Uh, and, and they also have several other mapping and... Um, well, observing uh, instruments on board and experiments. Um, so that's a robotic precursor to later human exploration. And the same is what's kind of what's happening on the moon. There's orbiters sent there, there's navigation satellites and the communication satellites being planned in order to be able to sustain pre human presence on the moon. There's rockets and capsules being built in order to send humans to the moon. And all of this as a step towards at a later point, being able to send them onto Mars. But as for now, we don't have the technology to send anyone to Mars. That's not possible mm -hmm. today. But we, you know, everyone is trying to learn how to do it by practicing on the moon, I would say. Yeah. And this uh, search for life, we, we, we're not talking about intelligence, like mm. we're talking for any kind of science of life. Do, do you yes. think, uh, what, what is the philosophy? Is it only looking, is it water? Is that the, is that the driver? Or, or, uh... um, well, if we compare to Earth, um, 
all life on Earth comes from water. So we try to take what we know from Earth and and map it onto other planets. And we say, okay, fine. We know if we have water, there's a possibility of life. So therefore, we search for water first. And this is what NASA has been doing. They follow the water. They search for water first. And having found water on Mars, they go on. Okay, fine. There's water. What else do we need? We need phosphor, hydrogen, um, oxygen, and, and other chemical compounds that will be able to nourish um, smaller uh, life, I would say, microbes. microbes. Uh, So we're not talking about aliens walking around, Mm. we're talking about microbes, you know, very, very simple forms of life. Um, So this is what uh, they have then been looking for, is then these nutrients or chemicals. Having found the necessary ones, the next step is to go and actually look for microbes or dead microbes, or, or traces of dead microbes themselves. And this is, again, what uh, what the perseverance will be doing, is actually going to look for those traces of microbes. Whereas uh, Curiosity, which is already on Mars, has been looking for the nutrients and chemicals and minerals. Hmm. So so this is a stepwise approach. And before then, again, they only looked for the water. Yeah. So stepwise approach to, towards looking for primitive life. Yeah. Whereas you, if you want to look for intelligent life, you're more over in SETI, which is a system for listening to space and listening for signals from yeah. intelligent life. Radio and telescopes and things like that. Yeah, that's but something yeah. else completely different. Uh, a little bit more about uh, Europe then. We, you talked about overall Europe. There are some big countries like France, Germany, UK, uh, Italy. How about the smaller countries? No, Norway. You know, we, we were the first at the South Pole. That was mm. uh, only 100 years ago. Uh, do we see some similarities? Do, can Norway play a role? Or do mm. we do something uh, these days? Yes, for sure. And, and Norway is a country with, um, with great technolo- technological competence. Recently, Norway has had a great focus in their space activities on the usefulness of space. So systems that uh, allow us to navigate better or communicate better or better observe the large and vast uh, ocean areas, for example, of Norway. So this has been the focus of, of uh, Norwegian space activities so far. Um, but then we see that um, with our technological competency for, from, for example, the maritime business or the oil industry, we actually have a lot of knowledge that could be useful in um, exploring the moon or Mars or further onwards at the later point. So um, if we take that knowledge and apply it to space, the gap might be not, not be so big. Mm. And also, uh, whatever you do in space in order to go to the moon and Mars and beyond... Uh, will uh, promote uh, innovation because when you want to go somewhere you haven't gone before, you want to solve questions you don't know how to solve, you don't know the answers, then this will uh, push the innovation to happen. And that innovation will come back to us as a benefit, I think. So, So Norway has many companies, many institutes, many universities involved in activities that are relevant to space, in, um, to space exploration. And also that could be moved from one area of uh, usage per now and and into space uh, exploration but that's that's a bit of a further road to go to move something from the bottom of the ocean yeah. for example to to space so if you have some existing company like like Namo is maybe they can have a role in the in the moonlander Kongsberg can use their space technology that they use for other uh, purposes on the moon as well. So, so you think there's actually still room, still room for new players like bigger companies like uh, even Equinor and also some small innovative companies to, to play a role here as absolutely, we go along? Absolutely, absolutely. And if you look at them, I mean, it's, it's more a, com- a question of the competency that is needed rather than how the companies are organized, I would say, because 
For example, in Norway, we have long experience with operating installations in remote areas. Mm. And any company working with that could be useful in operating installations in a remote planet, right? So so that type of thinking. Or um, if you think about uh, Norwegians uh, doing research on 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 um, Arc- people in the Arctic or Antarctic being isolated, for example. Again, that could be moved into the exploration area or um, technology that's used for energy on the ground, which is also very useful for energy on the moon or Mars. Mm. So it's, it's, it's yes, there, so there's it's lots of room still. And the companies like a nice combination, even with academia in some uh, Absolutely, projects, right? because as I said, you have to have also new ideas to solve mm. problems we almost don't even know that we have the problems. So someone mm. has to start at the very, very beginning and think, okay, mm. which problems could we possibly find mm. and how could we possibly solve those and then find a multitude of solutions and then we have to narrow it down to the right one and this this will yeah, take yeah. you know all the right minds and all the good companies and all the good innovation and then mm. someone at the end will, will bring yeah. it to space and, and kind of you don't uh, have too much time to talk about market but market is kind of like a moving target you don't know exactly where the market will be exactly in, in, in the end right exactly and this is true for good ground research as well i mean you start with one problem and then you end up solving another one mm. sometimes so this is yeah. this is um yes exciting period <laughs> <laughs> yes. definitely all right um I think we, we are closing a little bit uh, to the end, but I think we'd like to spend some time on international cooperation. You, you, you are uh, involved in a very interesting uh, group called International Space Exploration Coordination Group. Uh, maybe you can explain very shortly what this is all about and what can groups like this find. And, and uh, if you can put that into a picture of, of this global cooperation, because I think it has been a lot of cooperation. I see... With all the new initiatives that we don't, it's not easy to do everything in a cooperative manner. You will have mm-hmm. private initiatives, uh, different governments, so it's not so easy to to kind of uh, be conflict-free maybe in the, in the future. So mm. uh, what, what can what can we do to make sure that at least it will be mostly peaceful and mostly non-conflict-free exploration <laughs> going forward? Many, it's a big question, yes, I know. M- many questions <laughs> in one. Uh, I will start with international cooperation. Um, yeah. We already have the International Space Station where uh, the US, Russia, Canada and 10 member states of Europe have together built the space station, which is the greatest peaceful uh, technological cooperation project of its time, I would say. It's, it's been a very good cooperation over many, many years mm-hmm. since, uh, I don't remember exactly when, but the 90s, but it yes. was finished, built in, in 2000. Mm-hmm. And then uh, still, there's still an agreement. 20 years anniversary now. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then um, on this new lunar gateway, we already have cooperation by Europe, Japan, Canada, and the US to build a new um, gateway station around around the, the moon. Uh, and um, what this ISEC-G group is that you mentioned is, is a big uh, intergovernmental uh, group that looks at ways of cooperating and also looks at technology that is necessary across the board and kind of looks into, okay, who has this? Who could, who could possibly have which roles? How could we put, put this all together, both technologically but also collaboratively? Organizational-wise. Organizational-wise, yes, and mm. country-wise as well. So mm. so this is not uh, commercial, it is uh, it is uh, governmental, mm. uh, and it's not binding in any way. It's more of a it's more of a think tank, I would say, to, that puts together these, these interests or these uh, necessities across the board. Um, and then as we, as we go from maybe more group-wise or, or independently um, looking at the moon, if you, when we're going to go to Mars, it, it's going to take a big 
investment, a big stunt, a big... Uh, it's going to be a big, big, big project and very expensive. So it's going to need to be a lot of co- um, co- uh, countries cooperating. So you would say it's a, it's a, it needs to be a, a collaborative interplanetary manned mission where many, many countries need to participate. Uh, and that type of approach has the support of uh, many of these member states and definitely all uh, the member states in ISIC-G um, agree that, that such, a, such an adventure, if we can call it that, will, will need to be intergovernmental as well. It cannot be one country and the other and the other and the, and the other. And, and as a side note, uh, we mm. can go into space law and say what happens if one country mm. goes to a mm. remote planet they cannot own it, but if we go as a, as a collaborative effort, then we can own it together. Yeah. So, so in, in this uh, group, which is, of course, probably <coughs> more initiatives, but at least both Norway, India, China, United States, and all the major European mm. countries are involved, Canada, mm. probably Brazil. So it's an interesting group. At it's least, an uh, interesting group, and online you will find yeah. something called the Global Exploration Roadmap, which yeah. explains a bit what this group believes that the future needs in low Earth orbit, so on the International Space Station, mm. in orbit uh, around the Moon and on the Moon's surface, and also for human exploration on Mars. Interesting. Mm. Yes, we, we have come a little bit to the end for this uh, first exploration podcast. Maybe we should do uh, another one on, on uh, things we couldn't speak too much about today. So I want to thank you, Marianne, for this interesting talk. Um, please feel free to take contact with me or... Marianne through me, uh, uh, through this network, Modern India. So that was it for today. Thank you. Thank you.